You're listening to Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I am your host, Eric Konovalov, and I believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership, sales ability, and personal growth to a higher level. On this show, we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries, start taking steps towards our dreams, and create the life we desire. I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience podcast. I am the luckiest guy in the world to have you as my listeners. Every week we're growing. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe. Today's show is going to be bonkers. My guest is the CEO of Seven Figure Industry. He, he's got an amazing story. My man knows about failure and he knows about success. So Kyle Livingston uh, was born or grew up and we're going to find out. He definitely grew up in Southern California. At 12 weeks old, his biological parents dropped him off at a yard sale and rolled out. So growing through adversity getting very resourceful because you know what it is, what it's all about. It's not about our resources. It's about the resourcefulness. He grew into the man he is today, but then back in like 2017 or 16, he lost 160 grand, figured out how to reinvent his business and bounced back today. We're going to have him here to tell us all about it. Kyle, welcome to the show. Eric, what's up, man? Great intro. I'm stoked to be here, stoked to point to the audience, and uh, man, we'll see where this goes today. I'm, I'm excited, and I think it's going to be fun. Thank you. Thank you. So help me understand, man. How, how did you find out that you were abandoned at 12 weeks old? Um, well, dude, I, I grew up in, you know, I'm a redhead. Like, my family's not. Like, my family kind of looks like you, dark skin, you know, darker olive skin, dark hair, right? And uh, And so... You know, I knew at a young age I was adopted. My mom told me, you know, my parents told me at a young age, like, hey, you're adopted. And like, I didn't really think much of it. It wasn't a big deal. Dude, it wasn't until I turned like 18, 19, 20 years old. I really started like digging into the story behind the adoption, like what happened and started asking questions. And then when I met my my now wife uh, at 25 years old, like she was more curious about it than I was. And so like she'd come over to our house and she'd be asking my parents. I'm like, dude, I haven't asked these questions ever. Like I never even considered to ask this stuff. And so my wife now was really a, a, a linchpin to uh, really help me understand and like put all the pieces together with what happened. Cause she was just way more curious about it than I was. Like I was just focused on other stuff and didn't care. It was just part of my life. But for her, she was like, this is crazy. What do you mean? And so, <laughs> it is uh, pretty wild. yeah, it is pretty wild, man. And um, it, it's funny, like we grew up in certain situations that are normal to us. Right. And then other people come in and look at an outside perspective and it's like, dude, that's wild. That's crazy. Or, you know, you do something so good in business or it's something so normal for you. And sometimes you see an outside perspective to kind of give you, give you a different perspective. So, so true, man. She was probably worried about, you know, hey, if I'm going to have kids with this dude, <laughs> I got to know what the history is looking like. Right? like. You're not wrong, bro. She was totally protecting yourself there. <laughs> she is smart. Very smart. She's like, well, hold on, hold on. If we don't know your past, maybe we should adopt, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm messing around. Just I know, I know. Time. All right, Kyle. Um, so talk to me about your business today. Yeah, man. So, we help coaches and consultants in the online space who are really stuck at that seven figure mark uh, per year. And they've either, they're either exhausting themselves, they're burning out. Um, I have a crazy story about burnout in 2016 when I lost all that cash that, that put me on the floor. Um, had to be rushed to the hospital, thought I was having a heart attack, man. And, um, you know, there's a lot of business owners out there who just operate in the world of chaos, right? They, they, they're actually, I consider them to be entrepreneurs, right? Like they have not made that switch from entrepreneur to business owner because they're two very different things. And so we really help people go from seven to eight figures, scale the business profitably and remove the owner from the day to day. So they can focus on the things that make them really good at what they do, whether it's been attractive character, actually doing the the tactics and techniques that they understand. Um, but our goal is really to, to help them scale without overwhelming the owner. All right. So seven to eight figures. Great. Do you have any ideas or some advice on how to help people go from, you know, low six to high six figures? Yeah. thousand percent. Here, I'm going to start with this. The reason I choose to work with seven and eight figure business owners, because they just have bigger levers. Mm -hmm. and so the, the principles in business are the same principles in business, whether you're at, you know, $5 a month or $5 million a month, the business principles are still the same. 
It's what you should be focusing on that changes at each and every level, right? The business owner doing 500 million a month, they aren't focused on the same thing as somebody doing 5,000 a month and they shouldn't be rightfully so, but the fundamentals of business are the exact same. And so if you're at low six figures, you want to get to high six figures or you're at you know, low tens and you want to get to hundreds, the, the biggest thing is understanding customer acquisition and sales. And if you can understand customer acquisition and sales and you're under, let's say 150K a month, like don't focus on anything else. Focus on acquisition and sales. Learn how to be a better marketer and a better salesperson. And if you can understand those two things, you can create a business that's large enough to be able to fund the fulfillment and be able to fund everything else that doesn't require you to be part of it. And so if you're under you know, 150K a month and not focusing on sales and marketing and you're focusing on fulfillment or coaching or you know, working with a team or whatever, you're probably just focusing on the wrong things. Hmm, that is a good point. Usually, usually that's, I found that to be the case. People are focusing on the wrong thing. Yep. And so as far as marketing goes, right? Or as far as identity goes, especially coaches and consultants. Yeah. For me, it was tough to figure out what is it that I'm selling and then who am I selling it to? There's so many different things I offer, whether it's sales training, communications training, coaching. And when I talk to other coaches, they they seem to struggle with similar things. So what do you what's your kind of uh, advice to those guys? The person that you can help the most is typically a version of who you were recently. And so if you're, let's say, the type of coach or consultant or online business owner that read a book and you're going to try and implement and teach people what you learned you're not going to have as much success as if you're like, hey, where where, do, where did I struggle six months or a year ago or two years ago? Or where are the areas in my life that I've had you know, difficulty that I can help other people through? And that's the, like, because what you're doing is, is you're helping people bridge the gap from a, a version of who you were to a version of who you are today. And if you can help people bridge that gap, uh, it's going to be easy for you to relate to your audience. It's going to be easy for you to market. It's going to be easy for you to come up with things to, to actually deliver to them. So I think that's part of it, right? Is making sure that like what you're doing, you're actually a, an expert in, or you know enough to be able to help people get to where you're at. You don't want to pull up a marketing book and be like, I'm a marketer. That's just, that's just not, not the good thing. But I also think the other side of it is focus. Like, and I know, I know this is kind of beating a dead horse already, but I've met so many entrepreneurs, man. They're doing, you know, 15K a month and they have three offers. It's like, dude, like one thing really, really well for a series of time will eventually become successful. I have a client right now. I'm not going to go into numbers and stuff. But like he's wildly profitable, wildly successful. And I was having a conversation with him the other day. I was like, hey, what about your backend programs or your essential? He's like, I don't have any of that stuff, man. I do one thing and we do it very, very well. And that's the reason we are at the, the, the level that we are at is because we do one thing. And I agree with them 100%. I've worked with people that have 13 different offers. And it's like, dude, you, you, you're not even big enough to have two. What are you doing? So what's the one thing that he's doing without giving names? If yeah, you no, you're good. He, he teaches people how to grow YouTube channels without them filming videos themselves. Mm, I see those ads. I don't know if that's your guy or not, but Probably we'll build, is. we'll build a YouTube <laughs> channel for you. And yeah, it, it might that be. Work? dude, their, uh, their clients are doing like, they're having nine to fivers come in who worked at Dell or wherever. Right. Uh, and they come in. And they learn the, the YouTube automation process, dude. And they're doing 15, 20, 25, 35, 40, 50, 60 K a month just from AdSense. No so it, way. It works, yeah, it works really well. And they're just like, think about if you go to YouTube right now and you type in boxing, right? You'll probably find the top 10 videos don't actually have the channel's attractive character in the video. It's probably just some B-roll and some, you know, some footage that's going over it and some voiceover actors. Like it's probably has nothing to do with the actual attractive character, dude. There's so many ways to make money. And that's the problem with most entrepreneurs. I have a good friend. His name is Taylor Welch. And he was telling yeah, me the other day, Taylor. he goes, look, man, he goes, you can like most business owners, most entrepreneurs today are struggling due to a, too much opportunity. It's like you're sitting in a, in a pool and you're just getting water dumped on you. And that's the world we live in today. Like we don't live in a world where you're, where it's a famine, where you're like, I don't have enough work. I don't have enough ideas. There's too many, and that's what's suffocating most people, especially under the million dollar a month mark. Mm. So let me ask you this: You lost 160k back in 2016. How did that happen? What were you doing, and how did you yeah. lose it? So I had a um, 
up to that point, I had built three successful brick and mortar commercial construction companies, um, exited all three, did very well for, you know, considering where we were at and what was going on in my age and everything that was going on did, did pretty well. And, um, dude, I had vowed to get out of the construction industry, like a hundred, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. I'd exited my third company and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And, um, I was full-time in real estate investing. That's actually where I'm at, where I met my wife, Adrian. And I'm full-time in real estate investing. And I get a call from a guy. His name's Clay out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Clay calls me. He goes, hey, man, the company that you had just sold about a year ago has gone under. Uh, we, just got, we just got the email this morning. They've gone under. So the NDA that you've had with them is no longer valid. And I have $3 million of work I need to give to someone. And I want to give it to you. Wow. And I'm like, awesome. Let's roll. Like, let's do this. And uh, I went and bought all my old assets from the company that I'd sold for like 10 cents on the dollar. And dude, I thought, listen, I thought I was king fucking tut. Like everything I touched turned to gold. My head, I can't, I don't even know how I got through doorways, bro. I had the biggest ego. And um, so I started this fourth, this fourth brick and mortar construction company. And day one, we had $3 million in contracts. Not a bad day one. Day one, right? Not a bad day one. And so we had to grow very quickly. And I had grown large companies before, so I knew what it would take and I knew what had to be in place. And what it really came down to, man, was I wasn't being the business owner. I was stuck in technician mode because I had made some bad decisions. I had made some bad hires. I didn't understand how to fix the problems in my business. And so because I didn't understand how to fix the problems, I just went back into the doing the things that I knew how to do and just didn't pay attention to the problems that were there because I didn't know how to fix them. And I didn't understand this world of masterminding and getting help and coaching and all this. I just didn't know that world. And so in 2016, we hired, we were on a, you know, we're on rate to do about $3 million that year. We had a team of 30. Hired and fired 64 people, dude, because I just, I had high standards, but like I wasn't leading well, I wasn't organizing well, I would fly off the hand. Like it just wasn't, I wasn't a good business owner. It's a wonderful technician, terrible business owner, good entrepreneur, terrible business owner. And so for me, that was the, that, that, that switch that kind of happened. But I walked into the house one day. We had probably the worst week we'd had. I think I lost like $45,000 on our job that week. Mm -hmm. I had my project manager. Uh, just completely walk out on like, it was just a, a horrible, horrible week. And I remember walking in the house in Albuquerque and um, I'm walking in, I got about 15 steps in the house and boom, dude, I fall straight on the floor. And I thought I was 25 years old. I thought I'm having a heart attack. This is how I'm going to die. Literally, that's how I felt. My pressure, I felt like somebody was sitting on my chest, couldn't feel my hands. They called the ambulance. I blacked out. I remember waking up, being escorted into the ambulance. I remember waking up in the hospital at some point 18 hours later with wires all over me and they're doing all these tests. And the doctors couldn't find anything that was wrong. And essentially what it came down to was for the first time in my life, I found out and I figured out what a panic attack felt like. And it was crippling, dude. Like I never, I never experienced that. Even though the rough, crazy, traumatic childhood and all the things that I went through, like I just never experienced the amount of pressure and stress and chaos that was going on in my life at that point that I felt completely out of control in. And um, over the course of that year, just the bad decisions, the bad mistakes, the issues, we did about 3 million in revenue. And lost $160,000 of just cash that I had made from other businesses and borrowed and all these things. And it was just because I didn't understand how to actually run a business. Mm. So do you know Bedros Koulian? Yeah. You ever heard of his panic attack story? Yeah, I have. So he described it very similar to how you described it. Yeah. Like, wow, that's that has to be so scary. Dude, it was... As an, like, as an adult, it was one of the most terrifying things, not only for me, but for my, my wife, we were dating at the time and like, it messed with her for years. Like anytime I'm like, Oh, I don't feel good. You know, we're in a stressful situation. She's like, are you like, is everything okay? Like she didn't want to relive that. I mean, we were in the hospital for like 20 something hours, man. And, um, it's crazy to think about those things in our life. Don't just affect us. They affect the people around us too. And at least for me, like that, if I'm in, if I'm in the trenches and we're grinding and we're going, like I tend to forget that sometimes. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here with us and you survived it, man. Thanks, man. So that's a really cool million dollar click funnels award you got behind you. Tell me about that. Yeah, man. So we had a it's actually with one of my clients. We had a client that um they were really struggling to hit it, man. Like they had been trying for a couple of years. Um, collectively with everything that they had done, they'd done about a million in a year, but they'd never done a million in a single, a single vertical. And we started working together and I was like, man, like we like this vertical right here is our most profitable vertical, like 80-20 rule, right? Like 80% of our revenue is coming from 20% of these efforts. Let's just go deep here and cut everything else. 
And within 90 days, man, they did over a million bucks. And uh, within the next six, they did almost 2.5 million. And it was just because we focused on the things that made them really profitable and got rid of all of the other minutiae. And so as they were, as we were going through it, they were like, dude, we, we, like you're catalyst part of this. Let's make sure that we get you on it. So yeah, so I got that one. Wow. So when you come in, when you come into a, to a business, right? Like theirs, tell, talk to me about like, what's, what's the process? What's the onboarding part? What do you do? Yeah. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's different for everybody. Like the process is kind of the same, but the outcomes are different, right? The goal, the goal initially is to relieve the biggest, like, pressure point the business owner has. And so for, for one client right now, his biggest pressure point is he's in the weeds of, well, actually I'll, I'll tell you about this client right here. Um, two owners and one owner, he does uh, the content. So he focuses about six hours a day or more just on the content and they're all organic. They don't run any ads. So he just does content, 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 content. The other owner is a, is the, is the business owner, the entrepreneur of the two, right? The, the, the visionary, if you will. And um, you know, the, we started working together and it honestly with them, like it took me a while to figure out what they actually did. Right. We go back to the conversation earlier of like business owners and entrepreneurs, like they have all these different ideas and things. So it took me like two months and I'm not joking to figure out what they actually did. Like the owner couldn't really tell me, like I had to figure it out. And um, what it really was for them was the owner had tried so many different things because they were, they were kind of bottlenecked over here for certain reasons. He had tried so many different things to be, be really profitable when the problem was the bottleneck over here, right? We were able to pull the pin on that bottleneck over here and it was like the floodgates opened. And all these things that he was trying, 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 they didn't get nearly as much traction as like the core of the business. And so we really looked in, it's like, okay, if we if we get rid of all the fat, get rid of all of the excess, get rid of all of the wasted energy from the entrepreneur in 19 different areas, if we just get you to focus on one, like, and and take that energy and focus in one point, we're gonna be able to be way more powerful. And so that's all we did for them was just got rid of all the fat and trim it down. Another client, he's like, dude, my biggest problem right now is data. I can't see the data, right? We're spending $250,000 a month on advertising. I can't see the data from point A to close. So like when a problem happens, like I don't know how to fix it. And so for him, like we're just coming in to fix all of his data. And so it depends, it's different for everyone. I've worked with some clients, it's like, dude, my sales team, like I need somebody, I need you to help me structure and systematize our sales team so we can bring in a sales manager and help run the sales team. So it's it's different depending on what the problems are, but the main goal is just relieving that pressure point for the business owner right out of the gate. Wow, that's pretty cool. What type of business was it? Um, there's like this one here, they do, uh, they also do YouTube, um, but they, they're a YouTube channel and they created a mastermind on the back end of their YouTube channel. And we said, hey man, like what if we just got rid of the mastermind? And what if we were just an aggregate and advertised business and you just brought in eyeballs and rather than selling them something, you just diverted their attention to something else that they can buy versus like, it would be like, uh, it'd be like, Hey, Eric, come buy my stuff versus, Hey, Eric, I went and saw this really good movie this last week called Jesus revolution. You could, you should go see it, right? Like it's different. And so when you third party validate for them, they were able to move more product for other people they were able to move for themselves at a significantly higher profit margin. So they're affiliate marketers or they, they weren't, we've turned We've turned their business kind of into that. So they have a subscription model, right? Which, which covers all the bills, covers all the lights, covers all the, the, the burn and churn and everything. And then they're, they are using affiliate mar marketing and JVs um, on the other side with the aggregate and advertise as law, as well as ad revenue. And that becomes the core of their business, right? Because if you're, if, you, if I'm getting a bunch of attention, a bunch of eyeballs, I have two options. I can sell you my stuff or I can sell you someone else's stuff. If I sell you my stuff, I might have a bad couple of months and maybe my margins are too so low or we don't sell what we think we can sell or we create audience fatigue and the audience is just tired of buying my stuff, right? And so, or I don't have things that, uh, that, that you know, if I have 5 million, follower, 5 million subscribers on YouTube, what I'm selling not all 5 million people want, but if I have a plethora of things for them, and that was, you know, for them aggregate or advertise and aggregate, advertise, aggregate, like the, oh, you're interested in buying gold. Cool. Go over here and buy gold. Oh, you're interested in buying cleaning product. Like, and we were able to just do that and turn them into a stupidly profitable business very, very fast. Holy shit. All right. So let me ask you, there's so many questions. You're like a, you're like a ocean of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. What are some key away, components man. to 
advertising online and being good at getting eyeballs on your stuff? Dude, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Even though I've owned a marketing agency, I would, I would not take marketing advice from me. <laughs> Just being straight up with you. I love that. Um, I have, you know, things that I know that work. Um, but my, my main core focus is like, how do we, here, here's why I say this. My core focus is we, we've gone to a field, you've found gold, like you found a gold vein. My business is how do I help you get more gold out of the ground? Right? Because if you think about the businesses that I've owned in, in, in telecom and in construction and real estate, it was mainly people had more work than they had the ability to do it. And so my whole life, I've had to figure out how to make my shovel a bigger shovel, not find more gold. Gotcha. And that's, that's why I'm really good at coming to these businesses and seeing these like, oh, dude, you found a gold, like a gold vein. You're just using a, 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 one of those little like garden shovels, right? When you need a backhoe, let's go build the backhoe so you can grab more gold out of the ground. Man, I actually absolutely love that. Love that analogy. So how do you, what's your process for starting a business? You want to know from the idea? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you've been in three different, yeah. completely four, like four completely different industries now. M multiple, actually. Those are just the four that we talked about because dude, entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship is about how many times can you fail quickly to figure out the things that work? Like I had a buddy uh, who told me, he's like, man, you've done a lot of things. I said, yeah, bro, but I failed more than you've tried. Mm. He's like, shit, you're right. It's like, so like, if I just keep failing, I'll like, I'll eventually get it. And if I don't, then like, I'm horrible, but like, at least I tried. My process for starting a business is legitimately like I'm in business. And I know this sounds really cliche. Like, I don't worry about all of the, like, stuff. I just go, I'm in business. Who has what I can sell them or who has money to buy what I can sell them? And so if you're in a different, let's say you're a brand new to the business world and you have no idea what you're going to sell somebody or no idea about what you're going to do. I'm not the guy that's like, do what you love, chase your, like, no, dude, like you have a skill set and you have a talent that you probably aren't stoked about doing, right? Like, but how could you go make a lot of money to do that so you can take the money and then go do the fun stuff that you want to do with it and go make an impact with the money? Because I don't know about you, Eric, but like for me, man, it's a lot easier to make an impact from a place of abundance and a place of like, I have more where I can pour out into anything than I am in places where I am like, Oh no, I don't have any money, but I want to make an impact. It's like you have to make you have to make money before you make an impact. Hundred percent. I was having a a conversation with um one of my best friends. She's she's dating my our family best friends. She's she's just started dating this guy, and you know he he's all about impact. He wants like this the world of impact, but he's in a in a vehicle that it, he he probably will never make more than seventy five thousand dollars a year. And so it's when I'm looking at starting a business, I first look at the vehicle, right? Like. If I wanted to go sell mason jars, I'm probably not going to become a millionaire selling somebody else's mason jars, which is probably not going to happen. So if my goals are make a million dollars in a year, I first look at the vehicle. Say, okay, well, is there potential in this vehicle to get me there? Um, an analogy that I would use here is if we're looking to climb a mountain in a, in a, in a four-wheel drive vehicle and I pull up in a Honda Civic, I'm probably not going to get to the top of the mountain, right? And so you want to look at the vehicle and say, okay, is there potential for this vehicle to actually get me to my goals? If there is, it's like, cool, next step. Who wants to buy what I'm selling? You might not even have it built yet, but who wants to buy what I'm selling? And the people who win in business understand their market more than anybody else. You understand the pain points of your markets, the frustrations of your market, the language of your market, the dreams and aspirations of your market. And if you can understand those things, and I guess this is kind of marketing advice, you can begin speaking to that. Uh, pain points, those problems, those frustrations, those aspirations, the language, the terminology, the verbiage, and get people to come to you, right? Once you do that, then it's all about sales. Now you got to be really good at converting that attention into currency through sales, which man, sounds like you're a master at that. So I would like- I appreciate it. Yeah, I, do. I don't know if I'm a master, man, but don't give me a don't give me the ego you used to have. <laughs> I want to fit through the door. Dude, that was, uh, that was brilliant. So like Simon Sinek, start with why. Does that yeah. do you does that matter to you or you're like that's not for me? I agree with him and I disagree with him. And let me tell you why. To me, the start with why I think that I think in a fundamental business perspective, like why am I doing this? Right? Like if you were to ask me, Kyle, what's your why? I have two of them. 
right? Obviously my selfish why is like providing for my family, not have to worry about when I go to the store, how much I'm paying for grass fed beef. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Um, but the other side of it is like the actual why. And so for me, my big heart or my heart is really big around rescuing women and children from sex trafficking. Mm. Like, like, and I know down to the dollar exactly what it costs to rescue a, a woman or child from a cage. Right. And so I know for rescue and rehabilitation, how much it's going to cost me to do that. Now, if I were selling Mason jars, I probably couldn't spend 83,000 or, you know, to not to donate $83,000 to go and rescue and rehabilitate a single person. It's just, it's not realistic. And so I think where he's coming from, from my perspective is like, start with the goal in mind, start with the why, what do you need? Like, I need to generate a ton of cash to be able to rescue these women. Right. And if I can't generate a ton of cash, I'll never be able to do this. And so my why is this, and then that becomes the filtering question of, well, do I sell Mason jars? Well, no, because if I sell, I have to sell a kabillion Mason jars at 14 cents to, to do, and it's just, it, the, the math doesn't make any sense. And so for me, the start with why, like that, I think is where he's coming from. But I also start my day with that. Like I'll read a little sentence I have on a document that's like, dude, if I don't show up as my highest version of who I called to be, there will be 32 women and children who remain in, 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 in cages being sold to the highest bidding pig in the room. And so like, I start my day with that. I start my, my business philosophy with like, will it match what I want? Is it congruent with my outcome? But this whole like, start with why and chase after that and like, Go sell marshmallows. Like, I think that's kind of BS, dude, to be honest. I think it's more of a philosophy than a tactic. Yeah. My follow-up question was going to be like, when you fail, what keeps you going? But you, you just, you know, you've, you've nailed it. Well, I, I think it's two pieces. I want to, I want to underline something on this real yeah, quick. Go ahead. For me, for the longest time, especially in seasons of failure and the way that I like, all right, I'll back to where I grew up my whole life growing up and early, early stages of adulthood. I was running away from being poor, right? And so when I'm in seasons of abundance, it's really easy for me to think about rescuing women and children. Dude, when I'm in a place of a failure, like when I'm looking at getting kicked out of my house because we can't pay rent and like I'm digging through the couch cushions to find pennies to buy Taco Bell, like, dude, I'm not thinking about that. Like, that's not what kept me going. What kept me going in those seasons was not like literally running away from not being poor. Mm. So I think it's a different, it it depends on where you're at in life. And so like, if you're brand new starting in business and you have all these people telling you like, oh, you got to have a big why, dude, your big why might be that you have to pay freaking rent in nine days. And that should be enough. Like you, that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you have permission, at least for me to like your why is you need to survive and you don't need to make it significantly bigger. You just need to pay the damn rent and like pay the bills and, and do the things. So I think it depends on what season you're in. It like depending on what season you're in, it depends on what your what fuel you're using to get to the next level. Yeah, man, that's awesome, dude. Can I ask how you got that why to go rescue women and children? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I was I was actually at a ClickFunnels event, 2018, and um, Operation Underground Railroad. They're a big uh, sex traffic. They rescue sex traffic, you know, sex trafficking victims and rehabilitate them. And they came out and um, they just kind of exposed what was happening. And I really started looking into it. And when you learn that sex trafficking is the number two violent crime in the United States, or number three, top three violent crime in the United States, not even in like, you know, third world countries like we expect, you realize that there's a big problem that no one's talking about, right? And I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Like it, it's, it's, I'm on this earth to help other humans. Mm. And it's like, those are the humans that like are helpless. Like there's no one out there really helping them. And we're not even talking about it as a society. Like when I first started talking about this, like it was almost like taboo. Like, oh, that's not, that doesn't really happen. It's like, dude, it happens all over all the time, everywhere. Like even in middle Tennessee, there was a story that came out uh, late last year of a, a, a sex trafficking ring, like two and a half hours away from me. It's like, we're in the middle of the United States. What is going on here? And, um, you know, being adopted myself, uh, like that's big on my heart is like, I was helpless, dude. I was helpless. My, my birth mom could have decided to drop me in a ditch or drop me at a yard sale. And I had no choice of where I was going helpless. And these women and children are in that same exact place. Like they are helpless. There's no one willing to help them. And the people that are, there's not enough of them. And there's certainly not enough funding to actually do it. Like I said, it's from what I've been able to come up with on average, it's about $80,000 to go into a country, rescue a woman or child, bring them back and spend the next three years rehabilitating them Mm. per person. 
And it's like a lot. My skill set's not going in and kicking down the door. I'm never going to be that guy, but I can fund the guys that are doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you heard of a guy? His name is Yako Buyans. Well, I don't think so. He's big on that. He's got a he's got an organization. I want to say out of Texas, and they just they're just coming out with a documentary called Sex Nation. Mm. Like I think it just got released like this week. If you Google nice. Sex Nation, it's yeah. all about that. And he's done some incredible work in that field. I had a chance to be on stage with him last year at the Great yeah. American Summit, and he did not like. I had no idea. He he opened my eyes, and and what you're saying is like yeah. whoa, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, man. So that's so cool that you're in a position where you can help. We can help people. All right, let me get. Let's get back to the business side. Yeah. So far, the clients that you've shared with me, they're doing one to many, right? They're either sending eyeballs to something or building YouTube channels for many. Do you have any clients that you've helped in the B2B space? Yeah, I mean, they're they're all really like B2B is probably the biggest thing. So like, we, have, we have a client right now. Everything comes down to traffic, though, even if it's business traffic, because people like B2B, uh, I would consider myself a decent salesperson. Here's my philosophy on B2B, and I would love to I would love to banter on this for a second. Let's do it. I think B2B is essentially B2C. It just takes longer to close. Because you're still dealing with a person on the other end of the phone or the Zoom call or the sales meeting. And the tactics and I don't want to say tactics, the persuasion techniques, the lack like lowering sales resistance, all those things still happen. It's just typically a longer sales cycle and just a lot more money. But you're still having to build that same relationship B2C. And I think people kind of inflate that a lot. Yeah, it's always, I mean, it's always, you know, person to person when we're selling, that's for sure. I guess my question uh, was more on like the service delivery side, right? So for me, some of the things we do are corporate trainings, right? Like there's no way I could get, you know, 500 new clients and go train them myself tomorrow, right? Right. So like what you guys do, like building funnels, for example, if I want to do a disc training or a communications-based training or sales training, and I wanted to go the funnel route for that, have you seen any success in that space? Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Here, here's here's the deal about funnels. At the core level, a funnel is just controlling what your prospect sees, mm-hmm. right? And so, if I'm selling anything, like I know somebody who uses funnels, they do about two and a half million a year selling cookie recipes using a funnel. And it's like, I know people in the B two B space that are selling funnels. They're selling disc assessments, like. There's a lot of places or a lot of people, a lot of businesses that are using funnels in so many different ways um, to make it make sense. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it kind of does. I'm just, I always wonder how how they set that up. And so let's say they, are they just selling the disc assessment or are they also coming in and doing the trainings? The, it's typically going to be a training side of things, right? Like if I have, if I want to give a corporate training, let's say, and the corporate training is going to increase, um, Let's say increase productivity and save save your team 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Team, team of 100 must save at least 100 hours a week, right? But in order for me to be successful in training your team, I'm going to include a disk assessment for free for the entire team. Here's where you go do that. Here's where you sign up. Here's where you enroll. And, and they're actually purchasing the training with the disk assessment as an inclusion. So you can actually deliver the training in the best way. So you can actually save them the 100 hours. And so like marketing and sales, it's all about the, it's not even about what you're selling. It's like, what's the outcome for the business? And they're like, then they can go back and quantify and say, okay, well, if we were to save a hundred hours every single week with our team, a hundred hours in payroll, 400 hours of payroll over the month, is that worth the hundred thousand dollars? I'm going to have to pay Eric to have him come in and train my team. How do you target them though? Like, I feel like my biggest challenge is, is getting them to see the actual ad. It's B2B and advertising for me has not gone well. Just being candid. Like over the summer, we spent about $30,000 in advertising. And uh, got nothing in return. And we're strictly B2B. The For me, what I have found is these people hang out somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they know people. A couple of things that you can do that I've done uh, for B2B. Break, break, let's break down like sales and marketing to the core level, which is attention. Right? So how do I get their attention? A couple of ways that we've done this in the past that have worked is we will uh, do geo targets by, like, by their office. And we will target the roles in that office that have like 
they don't have the decision-making power, but they have the power to talk to the decision-maker. And so you start targeting those people geo-targetedly. Um, a big thing that I've seen work really, really, really well is mailers, but like dramatic mailers. And I don't have one in here, but like one of my big mailers. And listen, if you guys steal this, this is ninja stuff. But if you steal it, please don't go overusing this because it's like a ninja tactic, dude. Ninja <laughs> tactic B2B. What it is, it is, I actually go and um, it's all about attention. So how do I get somebody's attention? So the, the filtering question that I use when I'm going B2B is business owners are busy. Business owners are going 100 miles an hour. And if they're not at business, if they're not you know, working, they're probably spending time with the family, like they're busy human beings. So to get their attention has to be exuberant. It has to be the uh, like the greatest showman uh, style. Like it has to be wild and crazy. And one of the things that I have found to work insanely well is we actually go and we get a black duffel bag and we fill it with half a million dollars in fake cash. Okay. And then I put it in a giant box full of peanuts. And then I go on Etsy and I find like, if I was sending it to you, Eric, I would get a Facebook picture. I would go on Etsy and I would find somebody who makes tape, like box tape, like packaging tape. And I would put your face on the packaging tape. <laughs> and I would wrap that box with your packaging tape until it was just obnoxious. And then I would send it to your office, attention, your assistant, right? Like I'm going to find a way to, and then when you open it, There'll be a video or a, a little video box or a note card, something that's like, hey, if you want to turn this into real cash, call me. The likelihood of you not calling me just zero. to see what the heck I'm talking about is zero. 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 Holy shit. Right? I've seen people uh, send cardboard cutouts of themselves to businesses. I've seen people send iPads with a, pre, uh, a preloaded video of them and there's nothing on there but the app. Uh, Dan Kennedy, if you follow Dan Kennedy at all, he used to send DVD players. With the DVD in the player, so when they plugged it in and hit play, the sales video came on, right? And so it's the whole B2B world is how do I get their attention? And you have to think differently in that sense because you're dealing with somebody who has no time. You just blew my mind, man. I love it. <laughs> and I actually got that. I got that idea from a good, good friend of mine, Joe. And we were sitting there bantering in a mastermind one day. He's like, dude, I'm going to try this. And I just beat him to it and it worked. All right, so Etsy, so the the tape that you're putting around the box is their face. Mm -hmm. So on Etsy, you go and upload the image and you yep. get tape for it. You know, yep. you, you get that. Yeah, pay 20 bucks for a couple rolls, like three or five rolls yeah. of packing tape with their face on it. This is insane. <laughs> I'm going to try it. Try it, oh, dude. Kyle, I'm it's trying fantastic. it. And I have, a, I have a coaching client now that I think. He's going to love to do it. <laughs> I had him drop off trophies for people yep. um, saying, uh, what What did we say? And it was something along the line of congratulations or champion, uh, the hardest person to get in touch with champion or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And people yeah. got a kick out of that and would call him right away. Like, dude, this is hilarious. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, or like, uh, you know, if you think about even sales tactics, like one of the best follow-up questions I've ever had for somebody that continues to ghost me is like, Hey, Eric, I've tried to reach you a few times. Where do you want to go from here? Oof. And like that could be a, a postcard with your phone number on the back. Where do you want to go from here? Call me. Let me know. <laughs> it's just, you got to think different, man. There's 7 billion people. If you guys have never done this, I'm going to, I'm going to blow everyone's mind. If you've never done this, go type in Google right now after this, after this podcast, the difference, visual representation difference between a million and a billion. Huge. And it will mentally blow your mind. They said, um, actually, let's do this. Alexa, how many days is a million seconds? One million seconds is 11 days. 11, 11 days. Seconds. Million seconds is 11 days. Alexa, how many days is a billion seconds? One billion seconds is 11,570 days. 11,000 days. Okay. Wow. And so the, the, there's 7 billion people on this earth. And with that perspective in mind, there's a lot of businesses and you have to find a way to be creative and different, right? Cardboard cutouts, bags of cash, whatever. And if you can think in that way and run it through that filtering question, like business will never be hard for you to get. Okay. I got it. I got it. I had somebody offer me um, to go after like a, like a unicorn, if you would, account yeah. that it's one of my clients. He's like, they'll never, ever go with me because they keep what, what he does in house. He said, but if you can get me 
he he gave me some tears, but he's like, essentially, if you can get me all three of their locations, I'll pay you a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking on it. This just happened this week. I think they're going to get a duffel bag of cash. <laughs> yeah, I would a thousand percent. You can go here. Here's the full secret. You go to propmoney.com, and it's the money they use in movies. Okay, the stuff looks real, man. Like it look like if you didn't know any better. You'd be like, I just got a half a million dollars of cash. And then you start filtering through it and there's blanks inside. But like, it looks stupid real. That is hilarious, man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kyle, this is, I mean, you gave me a brilliant, brilliant idea. I love it. And you know what? (laughs) It's like, we think funnels and it's like, they have to be on the webpage and you don't have to be personal with it. But the way you described it, all a funnel is, is just controlling what they look at. That's it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so- you gave me some ideas. I can now look at different corporate trainings. We can start setting up into a funnel. Hey, before you came on, did you wish I would ask you something? I know you were sitting there like just wishing about the, you know, dreaming about this interview. <laughs> were you like, I wish Eric asks me this question? Uh, let me think, man. That's a really good question. I would have, I would love to dive more into like the psychological side of things and the mindset things around especially I don't even want to say, especially I can't even say that around entrepreneurship and business ownership, regardless of what level you're at. So I think that, you know, the, the question would ask is like, what is the biggest thing holding people back from actually getting to where they want to go? And um, for me, the first thing I think about in this is uh, I was 18 years old and I had just graduated high school. I was working construction, doing roofing. I was driving this jalopy of a pickup truck. I had like a, plywood tailgate, half my steering wheel is missing. And um, I'm driving down the freeway, man. And I remember at the time being 18 years old, like, dude, if I could just make 10K a month, I'm rich. Like I I will have everything I want in life. I could just get to 10K a month. And I'm driving down the road and I see a billboard. says, if you didn't make 10K last month, call me. Dialed that, call them right up. Got a voicemail, left a voicemail. Totally forgot about it. Three days later, I get a call from this gentleman. His name is Randall Benogas. We're still friends to this day. His name is Randall Benogas. He calls me up and he's basically selling a network marketing, real estate investment education product. Okay. Super like scammy MLM stuff, whatever. I love it. And so uh, I go to the office and the office was like a block away from my house. Like this is divine. This is awesome. This is great. And uh, I'm 18 years old, grew up in a very, very poor, poor environment. Thinking 10K is like, oh my God. Like, let's go. I'll be Bill Gates. And I remember walking in this room and he does, they do this event and um, I get kind of involved in the, in the community and I pay the 1500 bucks for whatever. And um, I remember like 1500 bucks at the time was might as well have been 10 million. Like oh, yeah. I made, I think. 18, absolutely. Yeah. And I was making like a hundred bucks a day. Like it was a ton of money. And um, I remember sitting in the room and this guy walks up on stage and I remember he starts talking about doing like a $50,000 a month and an $80,000 a month and a $100,000 a month. And I'm like, 80,000 what? <laughs> Are we talking dollars here? And yeah, yeah, of course they're talking money. And so I remember sitting in that, in that room and my whole paradigm of life shifted. Wait a minute. There's more to this than just 10 grand. And so the reason I bring that up is they, they had said something that day that stuck with me forever. And that takes me to this next section is said that uh, Justin, his name is Justin Yates. He's no longer with us anymore, unfortunately. But Justin Yates at the front of the room said, he said, the the biggest distance between where you are at today and where you want to be is the six inches between your ears. And I had no idea what he meant. And I started thinking about it and started reading and started learning. And I I I came to the understanding of like, it's all mindset, regardless of if you're in a good time or a bad time, it's mindset. And so most people I have met that are stuck financially or can't get their business off the ground, most people, it's a mindset thing. Even entrepreneurs at the fifth, you know, 500K, 800K, a million dollars a month, it's a mindset thing. Because every level of our life and every level of business, just like I had said earlier, uh, the fuel is different. Am I running away from being poor in this season? Am I trying to actually help and make an impact in this season because we're doing so well? Like, what's the fuel coming from? I think. The mindset has to shift between I'm a solopreneur, I'm a nine to fiver, and I want to start, I want to hustle and grind to get my own business going. Right. And then you get sucked in this hustle and grind culture and then try and stay there and you're stuck. And like, 
So it's all mindset. And so if you're going through a season where it's like, you're not making, you're not making what you want to make, you've gone down, you're trying to get something started and it's not working. Like, I know this sounds cliche, but like revisit the classical books of like how to win friends and influence people think and grow rich. One of my favorites recently is uh, called the success system that never fails. And this guy's a billionaire insurance salesman in the early nineties, the early 1900s. Look at that thing. It grew it's right there, dude, right there. And uh, those things were the catalyst for me to go from a poor kid who grew up in the ghetto to being able to impact. Like we, we operate businesses collectively, like multiple, multiple, multiple million dollars a month. Like not my business, but like the businesses we work with and like, for me, I have to remind myself like, that's really cool. And like, I feel really good, but it's not me. It's just the work that I put in to protect my brain and to protect my mindset. And it has a lot to do with those classical books, man, around like thinking, grow rich, how to win friends, success, if that never fails, like throwing on some Zig Ziglar, never hurt anybody. And that's never. the stuff that kind of got me through a lot of this, man. Yeah. Zig is, Zig is awesome. <laughs> um, so when you say mindset, Right. What comes to mind is like positive mental attitude and positive mindset. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but really, in my experience, it's really the belief system. Bingo. So what I tell people is, you know, you got the conscious mind, the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. If you look at a computer, the subconscious mind is like the programming that runs the computer. So if Mm -hmm. you wanted to ever open up like a Microsoft Word file, you have to have Office loaded Yep. for it to open. Yep. And so. If you don't know what's loaded, just look at the results you're receiving, right? If you're not getting if you're not getting the results you want, then you don't have the right programming loaded. Right. right. It's easy to say change your mindset, but how do you actually do it in your experience? How do you get people yep. to change that mindset because I'm sure everybody wants to, but not everybody knows how. Yeah, it, it it's I break it down to the simplest of, of places. Like we're talking about operating systems, all this, like here's how I look at life. And this was actually something that I learned from something called land, the landmark forum. I've been there. And, okay. So you, you probably understand this, right? So uh, this lady, I'll never forget her. She was this, this six foot two Egyptian lady who spoke with a British accent. Okay. So this is the, this is the mental picture I want to paint for you guys. And she's telling us about um, this exact process around how we can shift our beliefs. And she she asks the crowd, she goes, Hey, how many of you have glasses? And she walks in the crowd and she starts getting all these reading glasses and sunglasses from everybody. She walks back up on stage and she goes, all right, here's, here's, here's the analogy that I want to give to you guys. And she says, in kindergarten, I got turned down by a redhead and she puts the glasses on redheads are evil people, right? She goes through the next one. She goes, my dad told me X, Y, Z belief around money. She puts the glasses on. XYZ belief around money. And she does this over and over and over again until she has about six feet of glasses in front of her face, it feels like. Like she's holding them up with her arms all the way out here. And she goes, How much do you think I can see right now? Mm. She's like, I can't see shit. And I'm trying to walk around and make decisions in life with all of these glasses and perspectives that aren't actually mine. Mm. And so for me, and the way that I would do it, and the way that I teach people to do it is like when you approach a situation, like let's just use employees, for example. A lot of people have this weird thing around employees, right? And so if you approach and you're going to approach hiring your first employee and you get this like, oh, I can't really trust anybody. Stop and think, where does that come from? Yeah. Oh, that comes from my employees stealing my truck and a trailer full of tools, driving it to Florida and leaving it on the beach. That's where that comes from. Okay. So I can either choose to live with that belief or I can choose to make it a new one. Right. It's like memories with exes, right? You go to Disneyland with an ex-wife or an ex-spouse and you're having a grand old time and everything's awesome. And then then you guys split up six months later and it's like, oh, Disneyland sucks. No, you just had a bad experience with your spouse at Disneyland, right? And now you got to go back there with your new spouse or girlfriend or whatever and make new memories. And it's the same thing in this situation, but it begins with questioning why you believe what you believe. And if you can determine it, it's yours. Carl Jung, what do yeah. you say? Until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll control your life and you'll call it fate. Dang, it's so interesting it. that you said that because today, just today, I started this book and I see you got some books behind you, yeah. but I think I got this book. It was a it recommendation yeah. out of um, out of the Landmark Forum. Interesting. And, and I was reading it. It's so interesting you brought it up. Um, it's so interesting that you brought this up because I haven't thought about Landmark in a while. <laughs> But uh, 
something he says in his book was just insane. I thought I highlighted it, but he, he, he's so true. He said, we don't experience the world. We don't experience anything. We only experience our perception of it. That's right. And we can change right. our perception at any given time. Can't we? A hundred percent, man. hundred percent. And it, it, it starts with awareness, right? Why do I believe this? Why do I believe it? Why do I believe this? Why is this showing up for me the way that it is? Like there were times when I would think about bringing on employees after hiring and firing 64 employees in 2016. Then I remember the first time I went to uh, uh, to hire someone, dude, my ears got hot. Like my, my, my jaw clenched. I got these like bubble guts going. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Oh, that's right. I just lost 160 grand because I filtered through employees and couldn't lead them well. Okay. So is it the belief around employees or is the belief around something different? Hmm. One perspective, I'll show this quick story. I was working with a client a couple years back and um, her first business that was successful. She'd kind of been a nine to fiver, launched a business, very successful. And um, we're sitting down after about a year of, of, of working together and uh, she's irate. We did uh, like $1.9 million that year. 800 the year before. And she is, I rate bro that she didn't hit $2 million, like yelling, cussing, freaking out that she didn't hit $2 million. And I'm, I had to sit her down. I was like, you, you need a perspective shift. Two years ago, you made 45 grand a year. Yesterday, you bought a brand new Range Rover during COVID cash. And you're angry that you're not at 2 million. Like the average income in the United States is $43,000 or something like that. She's like, no, it's not I'm like Google it. Like the average income in the, in the world is like 11,000 a year or something wild. She's like, no, it's not I'm like Google it. And I remember the perspective she had when she saw that was like, oh shit. Mm. Like what am I like? Just needed a quick percep, a quick perspective change. And I think that a lot of times in life, you just need a perspective, whether you're creating that perspective or someone else creates it for you. Sometimes you just need a little reminder of like, Hey man, we're a very small small, small thing in this giant world with seven or 8 billion people on it. Like it's probably not what you think it is. Oh man, that is so, so good. Kyle, you're the man. I could talk to you all day. Where <laughs> can it, people man. reach you and learn more about you? Uh, best place would be on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, type in the number seven figure Kyle or Kyle Livingston, you'll be able to find me on YouTube. Um, you can go to our website, check us out. It's more sevenfigureindustry.com, number sevenfigureindustry.com. You can check us out there, get in contact with us there. But we're always dropping nuggets on YouTube, and that's where we host our podcast as well. So if you guys want to hear more, head over there. Good stuff, my friend. Thanks for being here, man. Super Thanks, appreciate man. you. Appreciate you, Eric. Bye. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. I look forward to speaking with you in the tribe. Have a great day.